If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. You're live on Joy 99.7 FM. This is Ghana Connect. So yesterday, there was a third forum um, in Tamale where the e-levy, of course, was a hot topic. At this forum to sell the e-levy policy, the finance minister made a bold declaration. The warnings are there that if we don't change our attitude and our common humanity for each other, we will perish. And it's, it's fascinating these past three weeks because what do we do? Because of our arguments and all of that, Ghana gets downgraded. The downgrading is not some technical thing. Or it means that if I go out there to try and get a billion, now I'm going to pay $50 million more a year. Ten years, that's $500 million more. Because we are arguing and our people that we have sent to um, universities are also arguing, not looking at the reason why we have educated them and looking at the data and the consequences of what we do. We are not going to the IMF. Whatever we do, we are not. The consequences are there. We are a proud nation. We have the resources. We have the capacity. Don't let anybody tell you. Like when Joshua Caleb and, and the 10 others went to spy on the promised land. And only two of them came to say that we can do it. And the 10 went around the community, murmuring, you can't, da, 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 da. We are not people of short sight, you know, and we have to move on. Okay. So let's think of us as who we are, a proud, strong people, the shining star of Africa, and we have the capacity to do what we want to do. So that is the finance minister there uh, at this uh, forum yesterday. Um, some very strong language. Perish, he says, we may uh, experience if indeed uh, we don't show our common humanity and, and, and pull our shoulders behind the E-levy. And then he was bold to go on after that to say, even with that warning he's given us that we may perish, we will never go to the IMF. That's a very bold declaration, right? And so tonight we're connecting Ghanaians home and abroad for a conversation because this is fundamentally about us, the people. This is Ghana Connect, and that's what we do. We ask the fundamentally uh, simple question, what is your alternative? What is your alternative? I mean, the question about e-levy or not, we've asked that question on Ghana Connect many times. 
in, in with different uh, fra- framing of the question. The overwhelming majority of you have told us in many of the polls we've done that an overwhelming no, you, you don't support it. And so we, we're not even asking the question whether they support it or not. So we're asking a simple question in another poll we've done today. What is your alternative if the e-levy is not an option to save the economy? Should Ghana return to the IMF? Simple yes or no will do. I have some very interesting uh, Ghanaians connecting with me uh, all over the world uh, this evening. Uh, connecting with us in the studio is Adepa Danso. It's a startup owner. Fascinating, brilliant mind indeed. And always exciting to have her connect with us and share thoughts from a very interesting point of view uh, because she runs her own business. She has her own interesting economy in this economy. And so uh, she comes to this with interesting perspective. Adipa, thanks to Connect. Great to have you join us. Activate the microphones. Um, great to have you connect with us, Adipa. Uh, also connecting with us is Raymond uh, Tamakro. Uh, Raymond is a student. Hello, Raymond. Hello. Great to have you, Raymond, connecting with the studio. Uh, Ransford Aleke, I'm grateful uh, that he can connect. He's a Momo operator and connects on the telephone. Hello, Ransford. Yeah, good evening. Ransford here. Grateful. Um, how is business? Business has been uh, declining. Oh, I see. Oh, I'll come to that shortly. Tell me a bit more about that, even before E-Levy. Uh, Bright Ousu is a professional tax consultant, connects on, the, on Zoom. Hello, Bright. Hello, hello. Great, bright. Great to hear your voice. Julius is a youth activist. Uh, connects uh, shortly. Uh, Baba Huting uh, uh, will connect also from the United Kingdom. Trust me, Ghanaians all over the world are watching and paying attention. Uh, Doctor Jibril is an economist. Uh, will join us uh, on on phone uh, on phone uh, shortly to guide this conversation because this is a, an economic conversation. Uh, in fact, connects on Zoom right now. Hello, Doc. Hello. Hello, good evening. Hello. Um, my good name evening. is Ransford Hello, Doc. Good evening, Hey, Doc. Good evening. Thanks for connect. Thanks for connecting again uh, once more. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to uh, have you on because I want you to guide the conversation. You are the expert in this, in this area. Uh, While we, the mere mortals, talk about the economy and whether or not we should go to the IMF from our own, you know, uh, call it, uh, you know, a layman's point of view, uh, because the economy is about us, right? It's in our pockets uh, individually. So we're going to talk from that perspective. You tell us, help us, and guide us uh, with the expect opinion on that. And so thank you for joining us. Wherever you are tonight, you should join us with your thoughts as well, because this uh, decision, whether or not to go to the IMF, is a big one. You've heard the finance minister declare his position on this categorically. Uh, although he wants, we may perish if we don't move. And of course, in the context of everything he was doing, he was possibly telling us that if we don't get the E-Levy passed, we may perish. Uh, but he says we'll go to the IMF. What's your view on that? Should we do so? What is the alternative to the E-Levy then, from you, the citizens, uh, to saving this economy? I want to hear all of you uh, chip in uh, with your thoughts uh, on that uh, subject. Okay, I want to start from the uh, from the studio. And by the way, um, I'm excited to also be joined uh, from Bogatanga, by the way. Listen, let's make this a national conversation. A good friend of, of my colleague uh, with the A1 Radio in Bogatanga is also connecting in the studio. Uh, Samuel Imbura uh, is, is in the studio with me right now. Hello, Samuel. 
Evans. Great. Uh, what are the people about Gatanga say? I've not heard Bogatanga talk about the Ilevi at all. Yeah, a whole lot. A whole you, lot. You've been on radio there. Yeah. Right? What's the sentiment there? A whole lot of responses from Bogatanga. And um, I can say with uh, correspondence into radio talk shows, into the streets, um, I can say on the scale of 100%, Almost 90% are against the A-Levy. Oh, I That's see. That's what I can say. Very interesting. Uh, we'll, we'll get your thoughts on, on the big question. Okay. Adipa, thanks for connecting again in the studio. Let me start with you. You run a business. Okay. <laughs> so let me start from that question. You had a finance minister, right? It's pretty scary when you hear your own finance minister use the word perish mm. as a warning. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then says after that, first of all, give me your reaction as a business owner, as a young business entrepreneur, when you hear your finance minister say, we may perish if we don't, you know, act and get the <laughs> levy passed. <laughs> How does that come to you? How do you react to that as a business owner? Well, I think it's, it's mixed emotions because um, a lot has happened o- over the past few weeks. And for me, I honestly do not know how to react because it's, it's more like, I think I've said this before, that there's growing apathy amongst the citizens because whether you opine or not, it's more like your opinions don't matter anyway because he's already made his own statement. So whether we contribute or not, it looks as though the upper hand is going to have their way anyway. So I really do not know how to react. Interesting. I mean, uh, g- g- give me the business owner's point of view then. You must have a sense on where you're coming from. Well, I- okay, th- first of all, let me put this question this way. Does it scare you thinking about your business and its survival? when the finance minister says you may perish if you don't get a yearly pass? It does, because I, I don't think that any business operates on its own or on an island because um, the economic atmosphere in any country is necessary for you to thrive as a business owner. And so if the option is that, I mean, from the finance minister is saying that we are not going to go to the IMF for any assistance. So it's either the e-levy or nothing then it's, it's more like you, you really have no choice, basically that. And most of businesses like mine use digital transactions. We use Momo for paying um, people we contract to do businesses or to offer any services to us. So for me, from the business perspective, <laughs> Evans, I don't know. I don't know. Because at the end of the day, <laughs> Interesting. at the end of the day, they are going to do what they want anyway. Anyway, let, let me bring in the student. Um, Raymond, your reaction to that comment by the finance minister? Um, thank you very much. Uh, wow, it is a kind of a... Well, what, what do you study, by the way? I read psychology. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah so you may understand the, the, the finance minister's psychology there. Yeah, yeah, so when he, what, 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 what was his psychology? What was he trying to do there? Well, thank you very much. Uh, to me personally... While I think that it is infuriating, it is also funny to me because um, we have a situation. The finance minister, right from 2017, has curated the economy, has shepherded the economy to where it has reached today. And so he cannot be seen to be telling us that in the absence of passing the e-levy, we are going to perish. It only highlights the level of incompetence of the finance minister and the government at large. And so it comes to me as very unfortunate. I believe that aside the e-levy 
or in the absence of the option of e-levy. You, you're, t- you're going to talk about the options. We'll come to that. That was the first yes. part of the of them. Oh, we'll, come, we'll come to that. We'll come to everybody to yeah, talk about the options, and then we'll go to the whether or not we should go to the IMF shortly. Let me bring in uh, Ransford, um, the Momo operator. Ransford, so um, the Momo operators, you are all opposed to the e-levy, correct? You're very correct there. Okay, but now you hear the finance minister say, if we don't do this, we may perish. What's your What's your quick reaction to that as, a, as an operator? I would thank you so much. I would uh, give you my full name, Amran for Aleke, Greater Accra Secretary for the Association Mark, and then uh, communication member of the very association. Um, we would not perish. Perhaps the perspective he's talking from would be different from ours because we are capital investors into the business, which we contribute significantly to the task element of the country. So if we're talking of perishing, then it means, of course, that the very thing they want introducing would affect each and every individual negatively. And for that matter, the task component levied on us is going to be reduced drastically, and that also from the South Coast is also going to be reduced because we are doing a kind of interdependency in that ecosystem where the subscriber will come to the vendor perform the um, transaction at a, a levy, perhaps, of one percent, and that's what has been divided between the operator for our operations and that of the telcos. So when the subscriber, who is the consumer, is not satisfied or so overburdened with the levy that is being introduced, then, of course, they are going to go to the old system of heavy cash instead of the uh, cashless system. And for that, the revenue that is even budgeted from the operations of the mobile money operators is going to reduce drastically. For instance, the year 2000, the operations put together with the 10% of tax from us yielded 250 million to the to the national conference. So when the subscriber is not interested in the operation any longer, that 250 is not even going to be realized by the government. So you're saying that even the warning that we may perish doesn't move you at all? No, as no, 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 it doesn't. Okay. No, uh, stay, stay, stay with me, uh, uh, Ransford. Let me bring in Bright, uh, Bright Professional Tax Consultant on this. Bright, what's your reaction to that comment? I think it's quite unfortunate for the finance minister to come out with such comments, especially we, the youth, that we are looking up to them for them to do something for us to at least come and continue. But if you come on air to comment that if we don't go or if we don't accept E-Levy, we may perish. It means that there are no alternatives for us. And it means that whether we like it or yes, we still have to accept E-Levy. And it means that you are just forcing us to accept something that will have negative impact even on the economy. So if he's saying that we may perish if we don't accept E-Levy and then there's no way for us to go back to IMF, then it means that what you mean? They need to just maybe sell the economy or sell Ghana and then give us our share so that when we are perishing, at least we do that. We are not losing all that we have in this country. So I think they, they have to take measures into consideration because they have the power to determine how the economy will go. And then they have all the things to be able to make sure that the average youth or with the upcoming people will have a better future. And if they don't do that for us, then it means that, as he's saying, we may perish, and they are the one driving the boat. So if he's saying that we may perish, he knows more than we do. 
So I think it's up to the government to look for either alternative or try to come to some compromise and then go to IMF finally and then maybe you may learn something from them and then move on. So, so I, I, think I, I, I've just said you uh, pitch an alternative. You say if it's, it's what the private finance minister makes it seem, as in we will perish. And the other alternative you said was to what? Sell the country? Yes, well, if you're going to perish, what are we going to get? At least when you sell the country, then you know that you are perishing. Maybe if a, a good buyer will come and then invest and then you'll be able to live. Who knows? But if we are leaving us to perish without any alternative, then I think that is bad. I mean, let's explore the other alternatives there. I mean, that's just, uh, that's just uh, a very interesting uh, alternative from Bright. But let's explore that first part of the question because I, I hear all of you categorically saying no, which is what has reflected in all the polls we've done. Adipa, so if not the e-levy, what, 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 what other alternative is there? I mean, I, I, I don't... Do you agree that we should maybe mortgage the country and, you know, simply go... <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. But, but seriously, what's, what's the other alternative? Well, I've been thinking about it, and I think people do not necessarily have a problem with the fact that government wants to take taxes. It's, it's just that the trust is not there from precedence, right? Because if you've given somebody money consistently and they are not using it for what is intended to be useful, and then they come back again to say... We are taxing this again. It's it's just that people don't see accountability. And you're trying to tax a digital platform where almost everybody uses that as their means of transaction. And I don't think that the e-levy necessarily is bad because there are a lot of businesses that operate using mobile money. But the question is why we are shifting the entire financial burden on the consumers directly. And I think that's what people see to be insensitive and unfair. So if you are saying that it's either that or IMF, then it means as a financial institution, they've not done their job well, because there has to be an area of options for people to choose from or for people to make informed decisions. And, and, and that's why we want to have this conversation <laughs> from a citizen's point of view. So the citizens generally, from what I've heard, believe we don't want to pay the ELP. So let's talk about alternatives now. Mm. Let's let's let, let's assume our managers of the country they don't they don't know what they're doing. Mm. Okay, so let, let's give them alternative. What's what's what what will be your, your alternative? If you're not collecting, you're not doing the ELP. What should what should the alternative be? Well, I don't know about going back to the IMF because. But we'll come to the IMF <laughs> as as so. If I want to hear all the other op- mm. options before we go to whether we should do IMF or not as your last option, because it appears for this government they've declared no IMF. But others have said, and a lot, of, a lot of reports that say, listen, the other alternative, the only alternative now as a last option is the IMF. Okay, so let's explore all the other options on the table before we consider the very last one, which is the IMF, which is exactly how we are approaching this conversation. So first, what are the other alternatives on the table from a citizen's point of view and a business owner? Well, I'm, I'm not like an economics expert, but I think there has been like series of complaints about us not having like a really good tax system where we have enough data to ascertain who and who should be paying taxes. So I honestly think that if we concentrated on that to get like a very adequate um, data on the number of businesses in the country and how we can tax these individuals, whether it's in the formal sector, the informal sector, then I think that's a much better approach because that way at least we can track the number of businesses that are that are operating and should be paying taxes because i think that has been the problem that there's not enough data to really track 
um, a lot of informal businesses that are not quite white collar jobs. So for me, I I think that there could be a way around the e-levy, but I, I don't know about the IMF. So I, I think the best option for me would be to really look at our tax systems and the data available to um, have adequate data. That way, I mean, we can track um, the taxes that come in or not. I mean, um, what, what do you say, Rima? Okay, um, thank you very much. I believe that there are alternative, credible alternative, but... Uh, the government has decided to pussyfoot around the whole situation. Now, one, we need to cut down expenditure. That is the first approach. Government said they've cut down $20 billion no, as a is, result. It is not enough. Okay. We're in a country where already citizens, citizens are overburdened, but we have our president who is traveling uh, on private jets, and uh, I understand that he's out of the country again, and then... He's, he's chartered a private jet. That is $15,000 per hour. That is a humongous amount. And so we need to cut down expenditure. Now, if you look at the 2022 budget, um, budgetary allocation to the president, to the presidency alone is $3 billion. Half of what E-Levy is going to, you know, accrue for us. And so the first step is to cut down extremely on expenditure. Two, corruption. We need to make corruption a high-risk enterprise. An Auditor General's report has indicated that in 2020 alone, we've lost $12 billion to corruption and its related activities. Now, CDD, Center for Democratic Governance, they have also indicated, or in a report that was outdoored or released in as far back as 2018, indicated that we lose $9 billion yearly to acts of corruption. And so one, we need to cut, cut down expenditure to seal all corruption loopholes and ensure that it is a high-risk enterprise. Three, we need to stop granting you know, irrelevant tax waivers to companies on basis of, uh, what should I call it, family and friends. In 2020 or 2019 or so, the president granted a tax waiver valued at over 25 million US dollars to a person who is purported to be his cousin to establish a hotel in this country. I mean, those allegations were made on the floor of parliament by the minority. That, that, that was rejected. Exactly. I mean, so it remains an allegation. But I, I hear you. I mean, the minority guys raised it. It became an issue in the media. But uh, just for the other side, they reject that. That's mm. how it played out. But the, I think the fundamental point you're making is that um, do something about your, uh, about your tax waivers. Exactly. About the exemptions that you grant. Exactly. You are in the same uh, corner as the World Bank country boss who said that to my colleague, George Jaffe, uh, recently. Yes? Which are the alternatives? You, you have exhausted yours. Exactly. Okay. So for me, I believe that these three alternatives are going to do for us. Okay, very interesting. This is a student's list of alternatives to the government there. Dr. Jibro, sound alternatives from a student to a government? Uh, the, the alternatives are not bad. There are plausible alternatives that uh, government can explore, uh, given the fact that expenditure has been in the highest side, especially to the presidency. Having about $3 billion is something that they can do about it. If last year they had $2.1 billion, what, what prevents them from having similar thing or $2.5 billion? Well, we can save about half a billion from that area. So I, I think that I also side with the aspect of cutting down expenditure because $6 billion or 
6.9 billion from e-levy, and that is actually what is going to cause the economy to perish, as the finance minister indicated. I think is a minutest of all the the the, the 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 expenditure that we may have. If I cutting down expenditure by 20 billion, then that should suffice the 7 billion we are looking for. It does means that your expenditure or your budget deficit is going to come down by by 20 billion. So if it is coming down by 20 billion, you only have close to 15 billion to double it. Right? So why would you say that your country will perish if you don't get 7 billion from the citizenry who are saying that they are not ready to pay? So we should explore those alternatives, cut down expenditure, continue to close the, the gap in terms of uh, corruption, continue to close the gap in terms of loopholes and tax revenue and all those angles, because there are a lot of tax avenues that have not been explored that the government has to put in mechanism to be able to do so. Uh, looking at the informal sector, if you go to a typical store on the roadside selling uh, building materials, they are able to, 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 to wreck in a lot of revenue. What measures are, is the GRA putting in place to be able to put all those group of people under the tax net? These are the people who are dealing with the real sectors of the economy. So we have to explore those areas, generate more revenue from those areas, and put a stop to policies that will rather inhibit financial inclusion and, and, and destroy the digital agenda. Yes, of course, there are other avenues that the government can still exploit. For instance, the digital space, like the e-commerce. So if you even want to place taxes, we should focus more on e-commerce. Let's make the avenue more attractive and make it much more viable for the government to be able to generate more revenue from there, rather than taxing every aspect of uh, our leftover funds from our accounts. So mm. that would not be the best alternative. I mean, so, so very interesting alternatives from all of you. Um, Samo, the, the thing that keeps striking me when I hear um, I mean, Raymond, the students' alternatives, the dog's alternative, Adipa has already given his from a you know a business owner's point of view is a lot of these are not new i mean the government should definitely know this from a citizen's point of view do you do you understand why the government not only this one but before i just failed to do all these very obvious alternatives that could save us billions and billions all right so well, all what i'm sharing with you on the show has to do with what people are yeah us yeah yeah as a journalist we go to the street to talk to people just this last sunday i was uh, at the um, the, the Royal House Chapel, the founder of that church, was talking about the fact that our leaders will have to punish themselves a bit. So when they punish themselves a bit, Ghanaians will see that at least they are really sacrificing. So if they are sacrificing, there's no opulence, they, they ensure there's frugality in the system, they will gladly pay the taxes without hesitation. And that is what many people are saying. Like Adipa was talking about the fact that it isn't that we are difficult as Ghanaians not to pay taxes. But the fact that we are not seeing the financial frugality from those who are supposed to do that. Uh, they can engage in all the economics, um, semantics and whatsoever. But the fact of the matter is that the people actually want to see how you expend the monies that you take from the, the ordinary Ghanaian. Now, we are looking at, at the, the, the fact that um, the e-levy, which is a projection of about um, not up to $7 billion, cannot solve all the problems. I am much worried about government's posturing or propon uh, proponents who are for 
this e-levy, they are posturing on this particular uh, tax. Now, you hear them tell us that without e-levy, the agri-ministry is talking about fertilizer for farmers. He said without e-levy, they are even roping in free SHS. During the um, town hall meeting yesterday, the finance minister spoke about um, free SHS linking it to the uh, e-levy. Now, I had an MC uh, in the uh, northeast region also talking about no e-levy, no um, Palugu multi-purpose dam that government in 2019 actually cut short for its construction. So I'm afraid... Which, which is in your home yeah, region? In, uh, in your the home, upper east region. Upper east. Which yeah. is your home region? Yeah, that's my home region. Okay. So you hear governments communicating on this issue and I think it's more or less a communication problem because we know very well that the e-levy cannot solve all the problems. So why is it that you are still clinging on to it? Why don't you look at the available loopholes? My colleagues have spoken about the fact that you need to... Um, see the loopholes. They are citing the Auditor General's report. They are talking about the President's travel. We know that the President is traveling to Guyana and other countries uh, within the week. And I've already seen some uh, write-up by the Honorable Member of Parliament for North Thong, who is part of the Foreign Affairs Committee, also still raising concerns about the President's expenditure, in which we're told that it is under national security budget. So it is becoming worrying. We are, the, the citizenry is becoming confused as to why Government says that the, the projection for e-levy, in which we don't know whether we can actually achieve that, is about seven billion. It's a projection, and the projection came out from the fact that during the lockdown and the e um, the COVID period, there were so many transactions on the uh, electronic platform. So based on that, they think that maybe they can be able to rake in some some revenue. So if we get some shortfalls, what happens? If we are not able to get the projected revenue, what happens? I think the economists can tell us more about it. But from the citizens' perspective. They think that, look, let's look at how we, the little that we have gathered in the country, the, expen uh, the expenditure from government, let's cut it down. And by so doing, we'll be able to address some of these. Mm. Uh, I, I want to take your thoughts on that uh, comment by, by the Reverend Conchankra, that the, the politicians must, must show us that they, they want to punish themselves a bit more before they can come to us and ask for more. I think one good way is for all of them to let go of their ex-Russia. Okay. Yeah. And I, I think that from what he said, people don't see that you care because you are pushing the entire burden on the citizenry. So we don't see how our politicians are suffering or the people we have put in charge of our affairs are, are suffering because they are in VAs. They don't feel the potholes in the ground. They are only with us during election period. So for me, I honestly think that they need to show leadership in these times because their insensitivity is way too much. I mean, the the diction, the language, the display and attitude and behavior is just telling the people that they have no option. You're going to do what you want to do anyway. And I don't think that's what happens in a democracy. Mm, Ransford, I mean, the mobile money operators, government says we need the money or we perish. What, 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 what will be your own alternative? So if it's not the e-levy which you are against, what should government do instead of that? Thank you so very much for the opportunity again. I said earlier on that before Ilevi Ghana was, what at all is the Ilevi that without the Ilevi we're going to perish? Uh, my good brother was citing a very good example that in the year 2020, the 12 billion was lost or was not accountable for. And the report captured from the uh, controller and accountant general. You, 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 you could quickly put um, a question to him with 50 million loss or waiver to a relative of the president over imported something which you said is just a rumor. 
Will you tell us that the 12 billion something we're talking about is also a rumor? If that is not a rumor, we're talking of 2020. What happened in 2021? And what's going to happen this year? So if we are losing that money, which you could not dispute that that is a rumor, if we are able to keep those monies from going into individual pockets, that could have been I mean, stopped, then of course we might not even need the e-levy. Meaning that what the e-levy is capable of doing from now, that very thing could have been done twice. If we're talking of 6.9, we're talking of 12, almost twice of that money could put something on the table for Ghanaians. How are we going to perish? What of the other budget allocations have made? To the point that without the image, Ghana is going to perish. We are here. Look, let's go to the Tobut. Tobut was giving this country revenue. It was just overnight the minister decided without, without any instrument, decided that the Tobut shouldn't contribute anything. So the, the, the Tobuts gave us 72 million CDs a year. You say that one of the, yeah, so you say that one, you say that one of the, one of the alternatives is that government yes. should restore the, the, the two collections. Good. Aside from that, when you go to South Africa, the insurance companies own the banks. But when you come to Ghana, it's the reverse of What? Why can't the government look at that place also? There's much money there. So if the, 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 the communication is centered only on Momo, where the lead of the economic team tells us that Momo wouldn't be tasked, Osla will come and tell us that 100 Ghana cities is not going to be tasked, and the person who has 100 Ghana is which. We, we, we have all confused everybody. I mean, so in, interesting uh, point of view. So you can clearly hear citizens have alternative suggestions for government. The question is, is the government willing, able, capable to, you know, pursue these alternatives and abandon the e-levy? Um, let's now look at the final alternative, IMF. We put the poll up for you to chew on that because we've had the finance minister say, no, never no IMF, not, 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 not. But we must have a say on that, should we not? We put that poll question. You've been telling us a few things. Uh, time to hear you. Don't forget the hashtag to use is hashtag Ghana Connect. Hashtag Ghana Connect. And many of you have joined us on Twitter, both on Joy99.7 and on the Joy News Twitter feed um, on Twitter, uh, engaging on that question uh, that we asked. Remember, hashtag Ghana Connect. Mano Granting is with Mano, what's the question that we asked again? So this is the question. What is your alternative if the e-levy is not an option to save the economy? And that's the question that we asked. And so, should Ghana return to the IMF? So, that final point is what we were asking you to engage with. Should Ghana return to the IMF? We, you, of course, you've said to us, you don't want the E-Levy. Okay? What are the options? That final option, should Ghana return to the IMF? Uh, which yes of, which no. of our pages, yes or no? Which so, of so our pages this is are you on? The Joy 997 Okay, FM. so Joy 99.7 FM. Exactly. What was the reaction there? So, almost almost um an equal split almost so you have 54 percent of the people who responded saying yes let's go to the imf remember that when we ask the question of what whether people 
um, what people, whether people wanted the economy to collapse as the no, I mean, uh, so if, the, if the economy was going to collapse, collapse will that will that get you exactly. to support the IMF? They were still saying no. I mean, no, for what, we had what ninety two percent saying no. Yeah, but that, even if the economy collapsed, yes. we still not support the IMF. Still not support, support the the ELEV. But now the numbers have reduced. You're having fifty four percent saying that. Well, go to the IMF. 54. 54. Go and to the IMF. 46% saying, no, don't go, don't to, go the to the IMF. Okay, so majority say, small majority, say, small majority yes, say, yes, go yes, to the majority. IMF. Mm. Um, and then they, but, but it's very close. So it's, it's, close. Not, it's not that straight straight up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, but it's interesting. Um, what about Joy News? I think Joy News is more fascinating, right? Mm-hmm. It's more close. Mm-hmm. I mean, because Joy News, same question. I have my Joy News poll. I mean, the last time I, I clicked on it, it had... 50 50 50 50% say yes go to the IMF um 50% say no no don't, don't go, go to the to IMF and in the past um 40 minutes mm-hmm. uh, since we started the show well that number has changed or okay. like the okay. percentage has changed we have 52% saying yes go to the okay, IMF okay so 52% now say go go okay and then the 48% uh, say that no. so it's very no, very, close. very close very very close okay very very interesting i'll see how that reflects in the story but let's read some of the comments on the back of these twitter uh uh you know that the twitter poll that we've just uh, told you about uh now and r- don't forget hashtag ghana connect what are people saying well so um king disease the third <laughs> says that excessive tax exemption or holidays should be looked at most foreign businesses are not paying taxes and the most annoying uh, part of it is that they don't pay workers well. Mm. Again, government should seal the loopholes in a tax net. Okay. Government should cut down the size of its administration. Hashtag Bob, Ghana Connect. Bob on Twitter says, reopen the toll booths and increase the, the booth fee, mm-hmm. the booth mm-hmm. fare. Reopen the toll booths and increase the, the toll fares. That's an interesting one. Um, that's Bob there. Uh, Kofi Darlington, our leaders should focus on increasing production and processing of our abundant raw materials and also reduce their incessant spending and corruption. We've had that alternative also. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, I wink to masses. Government should reclaim the tax exemptions, ban foreign travels by ministers and himself, cut the size of government by 50%, strip some of the allowances for Article 71 of his holders, and then go after individuals cited in the Auditor General's report. And I, you know what I like about this? He bullets the alternatives. Exactly. He bu- one, first, the government should reclaim the tax exemptions, which we've had here, mm-hmm. ban many foreign travels by his ministers and himself. That's I haven't had yet. Uh, cut the sizes of government uh, by 50%. I haven't had that yet. Um, strip some of the allowances for Article 71 office holders. That's also happening here yet. Mm-hmm. And then go after individuals cited in the Auditor General report, etc. But I, I like a few of the things that uh, Wing Tuma uh, on Twitter has said to us that cut the size of government by 50%. That is something the president 50%. should definitely consider. Yeah. I mean, if you're asking all of us to tighten our belts, tighten yours too. Tighten I mean, Kan says, punish yourself. Strip some of the allowances for Article 71 office holders. <laughs> and, and, and you are having Selena Ajoa and Ponsa on Twitter uh, saying the return of Ghana to the IMF is not just because the E-Levy has not passed, but primarily because this particular government lacks fiscal discipline. And Ghana needs the IMF to check Nanadu. Okay. And that's what um, Selena Let's uh, Let's says. bring in my connectors now um, to that last option, um, a very final option. Uh, Adipal, to you first. <laughs> so, 
you see how close the numbers are on this matter. Should, should we, as a last option, go to the IMF or not? What do you stand on that? Well, for a country that wants to be Ghana beyond aid, I don't know. <laughs> the options are interesting. I mean, pe- people's comments are interesting. I don't see IMF as an option. I don't. Why? Well, because, I mean, we've seen the restrictions and the impact it's had on our economy before. And it's, it's just a, ma- a matter of discipline with our leaders. Because, I mean, if you look at the, the, the figures in terms of what uh, our leaders are spending on traveling and all of these things, I mean... <laughs> Must, I, I honestly don't see IMF as an option. I just think that we have to do our homework well. So you agree with the finance minister then? <laughs> I don't agree with him. No, but he, he says that IMF never, which oh, is what... Not never, not never, but I don't think it's a, it's a E-Levy or IMF option. I okay. mean, there are other options to exhaust. His, he's saying I guess that, the, the, either Pay attention E-Levy. to the approach here, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, we've considered all the other things. Mm-hmm. So we're saying that... If everything else fails, should we go to the IMF or not? You still say no? I mean, the finance minister is categorical on that. Mm. He, he says we'll perish, right? <laughs> you know, you almost, you almost say, you almost say, if IMF inquired, yeah, we should perish, right? I mean, so if everything else fails as a last option, should we go to the IMF? I mean, the horrible thing would be that we'd still need... Um, foreign supervisors but at least it's better than having our own locals treat us this way okay so still no imf for you you are leading towards no imf yeah okay that's what it's clearly difficult raymond categorical or you're also not sure imf last option or not um thank you very much but i believe that uh would have to be very realistic and not hypothetical imf is the last resort but we have several options. But we, that's what we've done already. Exactly. We've done that. So now exactly. we are the IMF option. If Should we worst, go or not? If worse comes to worse, they would have to go to the IMF. Okay. Because government has demonstrated uh, some level of lack of fiscal responsibility and prudence. And so if worse comes to worse, I believe or I am afraid we may have to go to the so IMF. So as a citizen, you will support IMF if... Everything else. Yes, fails. if worse comes to worse. Okay, we should. Okay, great. Um, so we, so at the point you, so there's a, there's a, there's a conflict there. That's an interesting. Or so we've seen that play out in the poll also. So it's not as straightforward. Uh, Ransford, where do you stand? IMF. As a, should we go to IMF or not as the last option? Uh, I believe I, I will take this from two different perspectives, believing that we are able to generate enough revenue to develop this country if we are disciplined. But if we believe that we are not disciplined, we are not able to use the revenue judiciously, they will be used on other immaterial things, then, of course, the, the IMF will be the best option. Okay, so what you're saying is that as a last option, you don't mind if government, you don't mind government going for IMF, Ghana going for IMF? No, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind. Okay, so that is 2-1 um, from the studio too. Let me bring in Bright. Bright, um, where do you stand on this question? Should we go as a last option? If that's the last option, why not? But I think um, government, we have further good alternatives that we call going to the IMF. To me, it's not sustainable. We went during the under President John Mahama's time. We came out, and then we are still having issues. How sustainable is this? How long is it going to continue? If we can, so is it that every time we go, we get some level of fiscal discipline, and then we come back, then we go again. 
for how long are we going to go back? So as the finance minister said, we will not go, but that should not be that we are going to perish. There are other alternatives. Yeah, I mean, okay, we've done the alternatives already. My question we are asking is the last option. As a citizen, should we go as a last option or not? Yes, if that is the only option to survive. I think that is the only way to go. Because you must live first before you think about any other stuff. But life is important. So okay, so... If, so you, so you disagree with the finance minister? You don't want to perish. If that's a perish, then you want to go to the IMF. Yes, why not? Okay. If there's a second boat somewhere to jump on, then jump on it, and later on, when you're able to make your own boat, then you continue with the journey. That's how life is. Always you have to first fight for your life before you think about other things. So if that's the last result, I don't mind Ghana going for it. Okay, yeah. so that's three one there. Um, let, let me bring in. Uh, uh, Dr. Jibril Ibrahim Mohammed with the UPSA. Doc, where do you stand on this question? Uh, uh, very many once again to our listeners. Well, uh, government over the years have not shown good faith in terms of IMF programs that they have received. If you go to the IMF, you are looking for policy credibility. You are looking for it to be able to help you streamline your economy and manage your fiscals very well. So if you have gone to the IMF for about 17 times and you say not disciplined about your fiscals, I'm wondering how the 18th time will help to build your economy. Even though going to the IMF does not make you a bad boy because of the above reasons that I have stated. However, there are other things that you can benefit because as it stands right now, we have been downgraded by most of the credit rating organizations. So if we are downgraded by the credit rating organizations, the possible effect is that you are going to have a better way of managing your affairs. You are going to have a better chance if you should go to the IMF and be given better conditionalities or you are given a better uh, physical responsibilities to follow. So government can just try to swallow its pride and decide to go back to the IMF if it is the condition that can help us to be able to stimulate our activities. If we have said that we have managed the economy very well before COVID, why is it that now even just 6 billion Ghana cities, we are struggling to survive? That shouldn't be a case for us to, to be struggling. So I think, in my candid opinion, is that if you are going to the IMF, then we should be ready to implement most of the austerity measures that it will come with. We should be ready to implement most of the issues after we have gone out of the program. We need to be good boys when we are out of the program. We shouldn't go back to our dirty act of overrunning our expenditure even sometimes during election years and other uh, related uh, uh, so, so do I hear you say that um, from the, you are the expert with us here in this conversation that you actually don't see that as a bad last option to go to the IMF? Yes, I don't see that as a bad and last option because uh, we have already enumerated a lot of uh, what they call it? alternatives. Alternative for the government yeah. to follow. It's not with the government to take and look at those alternatives and see whether they are viable or not. If they are not viable and it doesn't have any space to go in, then you should go to the IMF. Okay. All, it doesn't make him a bad boy if you go to the IMF. Okay, interesting. Samuel. 
Doc is talking about the fact that Ghana as a country is not a bad boy. So the fact that we are able to or we qualify to still go to IMF for a bailout shows that we are not doing bad as um, as a country at all. So for me, no, no, for us to go to IMF because we saw what happened in the previous administration. The austere financial measures that comes along with um, uh, that of um, the, the IMF conditionalities. We we're talking about cut down employment and all that. Some people hold the view that when IMF comes in, it will check the rots in the system. I'd, I entirely disagree with that. And I think that let's do our homework well. I partially agree with the finance minister. Let's do our homework well. Let's see the loopholes in the uh, tax nets. And then we are good as a country uh, to go as a country. Okay. But going to IMF is more for me. Final round of conversation before I end, and this is the sympathy question. Okay, so government had said that um, for those criticizing them and the e levy and etc. etc. and the debt level, uh, they are ignoring the unique global circumstances in which Ghana finds itself, which is we are we were dealt a heavy blow with COVID, right? And the, everywhere in the world, government had to maintain. Every economy is struggling. The U.S. economy is trying to recover. Europe econo- Europe's economy is trying to recover. U.K. is doing the same. Many African countries are struggling. Kenya, Nigeria, Ghana. And that this is not peculiar to us. And that we are trying our best uh, in a very, very difficult circumstance and challenge. Two years of COVID where businesses have struggled and closed down. So the economy is struggling generally. And that is why we are where we are today. Adipa, do you have sympathy for that for that school of thought? For the government? Yeah, in the midst of all the global oh, challenges. None at all. You don't have, okay. None at all. Okay, why? <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, we saw the reports where they, they lied about the, I think, the COVID fund relief. And, I mean, for a government to do such a thing uh, in the same context that we've been hit globally and then the, the nation is suffering and then what's not. And you come and then you don't account. I will not even say properly. You lie to the people. Why should we have that same sympathy? So, so, let, so let me say again that there have been accusations by the minority side that there have been, there've been inaccuracies in the well, reporting. Okay. That hasn't been proved, proven yet. The government's line is that they've accurately reported in the budget mm. what they use the COVID funds for. Mm. I mean, so that's where we stand on that. But you say, um, you don't have any sympathy. Oh, no, none at all. None at all. Okay, I you, mean, you don't even consider the fact that we've, this is truly two years the economy was under <laughs> COVID's grips. Yeah, I don't believe them. I don't. don't believe- I have no okay. sympathy for Raymond. them. None at all. Okay, um, thank you very much. So for me personally, I believe that it is a small screen to cover for their in, in, uh, you know deficiencies. Mm. I say this because prior to COVID in 2019, you look at key economic indicators like exchange rates, like uh, manufacturing sector, like debt to GDP, and all of that. And you could see that our economy was already taking a downward turn. There was misapplication. There was, you know, improper creation of our economy. Now, the COVID-19 has struck many other African countries. But no other country, except for Ghana, has experienced an economic deficit of 15%. You go to Kenya, not above 10%. You go to Cote d'Ivoire, not above 10%. Nigeria, not above 10%. But only in Ghana, we have a, an economic deficit of 15%. And so, there is no way government can convince myself and so many other discerning Ghanaians that COVID 
has put us in the mess okay. we find ourselves. So let me read something to you from Bloomberg, which was just published. Uh, they call they they have now put five African countries together, called them the Fragile Five, and they're talking about they now face debt risks over the next two years. And these countries they name uh, Kenya, Angola, Ethiopia, Zambia, and our beloved Ghana, right? And yes. so if you put that in the context. Ghana is not the only one facing the challenge. And they, they, the general view is that, well, because we are all recovering from COVID, that's why. But let me bring in uh, very quickly. But uh, you'd, also know that, you'd also know that in 2017, 2018, Ghana was one of the fastest growing economy in true, Africa. True, true, true. So I mean, how do we take that downward turn? Yeah, yeah, let, me, let me bring in Bright. Where, where do you stand on that question? Do you have any sympathies? If you look at the context of COVID uh, and everything else? Oh, yes. Um, COVID was something that no one expected and it came in. To affect our lives and the economy at large so the government backing on that one to some level yes we will agree to them but largely to they've missed money some of the things that they got some of the funds that came in during the COVID time and then they cannot account properly to us as in what they use their money for and then other stuff so i think government back using the COVID as a way of getting us to approve the e-levy well to some extent, it will work on some people, but it's largely majority will still reject the E-Levy because of its application and its impact on our economy. So I think the government can do better. They can make sure that they put in the policies and then the laws. We have various laws that we are not applying them. And then I think they can take advantage of all those capital gains and all those things. But mostly the budget... People are here people saying uh, E-Levy is just going to bring in $7 billion. But we are talking about sustainability because once they implement the E-Levy, remember, it's going to stay with us till they want. So, so fundamentally, yeah. um, if you consider the uh, economic challenges brought on by COVID, you have some sympathies for the government? Yes. Okay. Um, let, let's, let me give the final thoughts to Dr. Jibril there. In 30 seconds, Doc. That context, that you know, pandemic context, um, how, much of, um, how much weight... Do you place on that as a as a reason for where we are? Thirty seconds, very briefly. Well, uh, COVID has had a devastating effect on most economies, including Ghana. We grew at zero point four percent during the COVID period, and afterward, we grew about four percent. So, I believe that well, in as much as COVID has done harm to the economy, it should not be entirely blamed for the fact that Ghana is going backward. But I believe that if we we stand on our grounds and grow the economy in the best way. We will not have any challenges. Fascinating thoughts for for all citizens, indeed. Uh, you're proving that you are really not uh, spectators. Uh, thank you, Adipa. Grateful that you joined me. Raymond, uh, Samuel, uh, my colleague, you're always here with me. I'm interested to hear the views from Bogatanga. Uh, Dr. Jibril, uh, we, I, I just ran out of time on this, unfortunately. If you have, if you can do it in 10, 10 seconds, 10 seconds strictly. Um, in as much as I don't have some compassion for government, so far as COVID is concerned, um, the fact that 430 million US dollars was given to us by the World Bank, who spent about 305.42 million US dollars. Yesterday, I was at a press conference uh, that was at, um, by the health ministry, and they were talking about some of these figures. But I must say that uh, globally, Ghana and um, Korea, yeah, I think so. I stand to be corrected, though, have been um, globally accepted as countries that have managed globally, the entire world, managed COVID-19 well. And I think government deserves a, a part on that. Ransford, uh, Bright also, and all of you who joined us on Ghana Connect with your thoughts on this very controversial uh, consideration of the IMF as a last option. Enjoy the rest of your evening.
the joy that I give you every day. Oh, it's for all. Cause every time I hear the joy in there, why is for you? Cause every time I hear joy, I say, every time I hear the joy, I don't wanna turn on my radio. Every time. This Morris and I say keep on listening to George, 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 George. 99.7 FM. This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. On the Football Daily Podcast, this is the Euroleagues. Hello there, it's the Euroleagues on the Football Daily. Guillaume Balaguer is with us as always. Hey, Guillaume. Hello, Steve, how are you? Very well, how are you doing? Yeah, all right, all right, all right. I've just arrived from, uh, where have I been? Ah, San Sebastián. <laughs> <laughs> San Sebastián, I was there, yes. In fact, I should remember, because this is a place with more Michelin-style restaurants, and I've tasted two of them, so I should have remembered that. I also went for work. <laughs> Well, I saw, actually, I saw you tweeting that you'd gone to interview a couple of people and you said we talked about cooking and football, which sounds like the most Guillaume Balaguet interview ever. It's uh, uh, two Michelin star chef and Robin Lenormand, who for me is possibly one of the best centre-backs in La Liga and is going to become even bigger. And uh, and it was an interesting conversation. Two, uh, two people at the elite and the um, huge amount of things that they've got in common, you know, the... Uh, methodology and what they do, the stress of things, working as a team. Yeah, that that was a really good chat. Well, we also have with us on the EuroLeague someone who absolutely detests when pineapple and pizza meet, James Horncastle. <laughs> I'm glad that was finally shown up on a YouGov poll uh, last week. Yes. Uh, all the things that Italians do not find acceptable. Uh, garlic bread, for example, just doesn't really exist. Uh, really? In, in That's not a thing? Well, I mean, you know, you will the get... Uh, <laughs> yeah, you will get a focaccia or something like that, but the idea of having a garlic bread, as you see it in the UK, served with a pizza, which is yeah, bread on bread, uh, or served with pasta, just uh, just doesn't work. How about uh, um, Nutella pizza? What do we say about that? I mean, uh, I've never heard of that, but I'm instantly keen. That is a the thing. The chef though, yeah. that I was that with, is a thing. he said yeah. that, that, that that exists. Uh, it's very good. In fact, our dear friend Julien Laurence, uh, mm-hmm. when I've been in Italy with him, he has had that, even though uh, he doesn't ordinarily eat anything that's kind of sugary or chocolate, and he made an exception. And you know how energetic Julien is most days. Um, I mean, after having that, it was the <laughs> most hyper I've ever seen Julien. <laughs> So, well, uh, Christoph Therese with us, and Christoph, your um, hellos are normally quite downbeat. But maybe if we sort of fed you Nutella <coughs> pizza, we would get you. We would get you energized from the word yeah. go. I don't like it. I've I've tried it before. I don't like it, uh, Nutella pizza. To be fair, it's just yeah, it's just like 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 bread with Nutella basically, and it's melted. So not for me, James. The Belgians commit more crimes against Italian food than than even people from Middlesbrough. Um, you know, 
You that's put true. hips on pizza. Uh, oh no, that, that's that, that that's Middlesbrough. That's not that's not Belgians. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it here. To be fair, before we commit crimes against broadcasting, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's let's get underway with the Euroleague. But actually, Guillaume, no, normally at some point we would ask you what have you been up to. But I, I know the most important thing that you've done this week, which which is not go go and interview people about Nutella pizza. Um, and whilst we're plugging stuff, we might as well plug that there is a new short-form European football podcast coming to BBC Sounds. Uh, there are only 10-minute episodes. It's a limited series. It's called Wonder Kids. And we are building a starting 11 of the most talented and hyped prospects in world football. And one of the episodes will feature you. Yes, uh, we're talking about Gabby, but uh, I've seen the contract. I cannot say a single thing of Gabby until he comes out. So I'll yes. leave it there. There you Gabby, go. But it we is, talk about Gabby. It is happening. I can tell you that. So there you go. Wonder Kids, episode one, uh, is out next Tuesday. So there you go. We are going to talk about, uh, well, Gia mentioned Gabby there. We're going to talk about Adama Traore, his, his new Barcelona teammate a little bit later he had a brilliant debut for Barca uh, we'll look at the Copa del Rey semi-finals Manuel Pellegrini remember him his Real Betis team have taken a step toward the final with a first leg win against Rayo Vallecano who were a club at the minute knee deep in controversy so we're going to get into that we're going to start though uh, with Cristiano Ronaldo because he's he's going through his worst club goal drought since 2010, that was his, his early days at Real Madrid. He, he was dropped for Manchester United's one-all draw with Burnley this week. Uh, but this is the Euroleagues, so we're not going to really talk about the game with Burnley. We thought we'd approach this from a, a, a Euroleagues perspective, James. Um, and perfectly, you actually spoke to, uh, to Leonardo Bonucci for The Athletic at the back end of last year. And I thought that was quite a telling interview about what has become... Almost one of the culture wars of, of British media football at the moment, which is Cristiano Ronaldo. When he scores a goal, he's amazing. How can anybody possibly question him? And when he doesn't, he's a terrible influence on this team. <laughs> Look, I think Bellucci was interesting because he said that when they signed Cristiano, obviously they'd won seven league titles in a row. They've been to a couple of Champions League finals. And he was supposed to be the missing piece. Uh, and just by signing Cristiano, it had a psychological effect on, on the group, which was 